Hello, welcome back to Let's Talk Title with Emerald Coast Title Services. I'm president of ECTS and host Dion Moniz. We have our co-host. Ashley Bowen. I'm director of operations for Emerald Coast Title Services and a licensed title agent. And, and today we have our special guest, Jane Kerrigan, with Hannah and Aaron all here at the sale. Jane, in case I didn't see, the, this is part two of a two-episode series we've done with Jane. But for those that didn't watch the last episode, give us a little bit about what you do. Oh, I primarily focus in estate planning, which I've been doing since about 2008. Um, I have my master's in tax in estate planning, so I can help you do trust, wills, probate, all the, all, all the things. <laughs> all the fun stuff. Speaking of trusts, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about trusts, what they are, and what role they play in real estate. Um, so, Jane, let's first just go over the basics. What exactly is a trust, and, and why should someone have one? Well, I, I tend to tell my clients it's, it's very similar to a will, but it's kind of like putting your wishes of what you want your pro to happen to your property into effect right away. So basically, it's a document where you lay out, you reserve the all rights for yourself, but when you pass away, you lay out how everything's going to pass. And I, I think trusts are very useful because you want to avoid the expenses of probate, which can be high. Um, and then also, it gives you the ability to have someone step into your shoes a lot easier. So if you become incapacitated, things like that, and you have a co-trustee or a successor trustee that's gonna step in and make sure everything's being handled appropriately. And the third big thing, especially around here where people have property in Alabama you know, or Georgia or something like that, it avoids multiple probates in multiple states. So it's, it's kind of interesting because it's very similar to the will process and the probate process, but it, it eliminates the court. So everything can be handled internally um, just with the family members. So it's a really great asset planning tool. It, mm -hmm. it cuts out a lot of stuff on the back end if, if well, when that person dies. Yes. <clears throat> I know another big reason to have a trust is if you die and you have minor kids, you, mm -hmm. don't, you don't necessarily want the money just going to them right away, or even as they get older, you want to somehow regulate that flow of money. Yes. Talk about that. Well, so I, you're correct. A lot of times when I first meet with a client, we say, okay, what do, what are your expectations for your children? Are, are your children going to be able to handle this? How old are they? Things like that. So anyone that has spendthrift kids is, you know, what I guess they call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a great tool where anything held in trust essentially is cannot be attached by your beneficiaries, creditors. It's also a great tool if you're concerned about your child's marriage or something like that, where that money can be held there for their benefit without it all going to the spouse which, who they're divorcing or they had made a bad business deal and now it's gonna be all used to pay off business debt and things like that. And it can also just help to have someone that is a little better with money just slowly dole it out because I think there's all kinds um, of research and studies that show that once you get it, it's gone within about 16 months. Yeah, that sounds about right. 16 months, wow. So within the trust, you can designate however you however you want to. I mean, you can mm -hmm. require that the child get a college degree or a master's degree before they get any money. All kinds of incentives you can put in there to make sure that kid becomes a, a, a productive adult in society. Correct, yes. <laughs> so, I have a tool for that as well. Oh, and I've even had adults or parents use it for planning for their kid's retirement. I have, I've had people before say, my kid can't touch anything until they're 65 because I know they're not saving for retirement. So they've got to support themselves until they're 65. And then the trust turns uh, on to okay. take care of them in, in their later years, which 
is interesting, but you know, yeah. everyone's has a little different situation. Um, but yeah, you can put in whatever terms you would like. I think the more direction you can give to a trustee, the better. So I usually put in like whether some people say, we just want you to give it to them whenever they want it because we love them and we just want them to have it. And that's great. And so, you know, there's that extreme to we want them to be working productive members of society. And this is kind of there as a backup. So it's there. You have a lot of flexibility. So in the last episode, we talked about how everyone needs a will. And, and really, I think if you have dependents, you need a will with a trust, mm -hmm. right? Because you want to be able to designate. Sorry, everyone here <laughs> should have waited until you were done drinking. But because uh, you want to be able to control how and when the dependents get Correct. money that you've left for. So do you have to have a will and a trust or will the trust, I guess you would have to have every single item that you've ever owned in Correct. your trust. So <laughs> ideally, or what we strive to accomplish is that every single item's in the trust. So you can hold company interests in there. You can put your bank accounts in there. You can put everything except for qualified retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks into the trust. Um, and so uh, the goal is that we can get everything in there and it all is administered in one place. It doesn't always happen. Um, I, have, I have one client we worked years with. We have tons of property. Everything was in the trust, but there was one bank account they forgot about. So now we have to probate just for that one bank oh. account. Um, so we usually would have a backup will, essentially, which is called a pour over will that puts everything in the trust that was missed. Okay. So um, let's go over real quick. I know the three main roles within a trust are trustee, settlor, and, and beneficiary. Why don't you define each of those real quick, and then we'll get into how this impacts real estate. Okay. So the trustee is the person in charge. Um, they are essentially given the property and trust to manage and take care of it and administer according to the terms. The settler is, can also be called a grantor or a trustor. Um, and that is the person that made the trust. Creator. Creator uh -huh. of the trust. And the beneficiaries are the people that ultimately are to benefit from the trust assets. The kids. The kids or whoever, the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, can, the, so I, a lot of times the creator, the settler of the trust is the trustee that mm -hmm. whenever we're dealing with them because they haven't passed away yet. Mm -hmm. um, are they also a beneficiary? At yes. Okay. So they can be all three things. Yes. So typically you'd start with a revocable trust where that, where the person forming the trust, the grantor, the settler is all, has all three, all three roles. Yeah. Okay. And so then like the IRS just considers the trust a fiction and it, everything's under their social, there's no extra administration. It's all, it's kind of like an open bucket. Okay. So now let's talk about the benefit of holding land through a trust. And now you, now you already touched on the fact that you avoid probate, you know, upon death. Uh, what are some other benefits that you get by holding property in a trust? Is it like an LLC? <laughs> because so many people want to put their property in an LLC or a trust. And yeah. so I'm thinking, do they have the same benefits as one another? No. Okay. Well, maybe. I guess it depends. I guess the answer is it depends. <laughs> that's y'all's favorite answer. <laughs> You attorney. Yeah, that's right. Your favorite answer as a lawyer. So revocable trusts do not give any creditor protection to the person that formed it. If, so as long as it's revocable and can be changed, there's no creditor protection. Um, but once it goes to the kids, that creditor protection steps in and it's all exempt from any creditors. Um, so like in an LLC and also 
be, when it's revocable, it's considered your asset. So if you own the home in the, in the trust and somebody burned it to the ground and you got they sued, they can sue you individually. They can still sue you. Okay, yeah. but if it's irrevocable, then it's all it's, irrevocable. It, it's considered you, its own. What do you say? I say irrevocable. A lot of people yeah, say irrevocable. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But yeah, if it's in it, that's considered its own separate entity. Typically, it has its own uh, taxpayer ID number. It's a separate being. So, can it only be irrevocable whenever the person's dead, the settler or the creator? No, you can form an irrevocable trust at when any you're time. Alive? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. You just lose control over you, the asset at that point, right? Yes, you can't. So, Florida um, does not have what's called a self-settled trust where you create it for your own benefit to get that asset protection. So, so you can create it for your spouse. Um, so, you know, I could set an irrevocable trust up for my husband and put property in that. And then we could. And then it's use, asset protected. And then it's asset protected and we can both live on the income um, and whatever principal we need. And then when he passes away, it goes on to the kids and whatnot. So that you can do that, but you just can't set it up for yourself. Now there are states where you can like Delaware, uh, Montana, Wyoming, you can set up, actually set up a trust for yourself that has asset protection built in. Delaware is mm -hmm. like the wild, wild west, isn't it? In the it's, east. It's, it, it's, it's very, they have a lot of case. It's very, it's, it's very well defined. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. you can do in Delaware uh -huh. that you can't do in other states. Yeah. Um, Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so can you own your homestead property in a trust and still get all the homestead protections? Yes. Um, so Florida, especially for revocable trusts, Florida has a certain statute that they want to see certain language in the trust um, to maintain the homestead benefits. And then there's also a land trust, which if you have certain language in, you can still maintain your homestead um, through a land trust as well. I actually am glad you brought land trust up because that's all what that's been it? around for a while. It's just now kind of becoming I did, popular. I had my first dealing with a land trust um, about three months ago um, where they were piece of property was in the land trust and they were taking a mortgage out on it. But I did have to ask you questions about what is this? <laughs> yeah. And my experience, the primary purpose of the land trust is just to kind of keep your name off the property tax roll. Right. Yeah. So when you, yeah, because on the public records, when you pull the deed, it only shows the trustee of the land trust. Correct. And the trustee is not the, I mean, there's Settler no, there's the no rule on who the trustee has to be, but there are companies that serve as like land trust trustees. So a lot, a lot of times it'll be like land trust number 725 under, so they have very bizarre names. But um, because the trustee in a land trust, it's kind of reverse where the beneficiary has all the power over the property and all the responsibilities relating to the property, but the trustee is the one that is listed as the owner. It's like managed. The manager of the trust basically right kind in of. a way but yeah so but if there's no usually the the land the beneficiary of the land trust is going to be the one that's responsible to make sure there's property insurance and to make sure all those types of things are done when and that responsibility doesn't typically fall to the trustee why would somebody do put a property in a land trust that they are responsible for yet they're not the trustee of I mean, I well, guess. so a perfect example, if you own property 
uh, through an LLC in Florida, you can go to SunBiz and see who all the owners are mm -hmm. or the members. If you own it through a land trust, then you have complete confidentiality. <clears throat> so if the trustee is one of these mm -hmm. companies, no one can look past that and see who owns that property. And so that's the primary reason that mm -hmm. my clients want to do it is for that confidentiality. Now, I guess you could get a Delaware LLC where you can't find uh, member information through Delaware Secretary of State, do it that way. But right? then you can't homestead it. Yeah, good point, great point. If yes. it's, okay, so if it's a land trust, it can't be homestead. Can't, no, no you can. can. Oh, But if it's a Delaware LLC or any LLC, it cannot be. Right? Okay, correct. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good reason to do it here. Yeah. So it, it, you got to question the person's motiv motives. Do they want it? under as homestead protection or is it just a, well then it makes me think property. about there was just this new law that was passed in florida about um entities from other countries foreign entities coming in and buying property around air force bases and whatnot mm -hmm. um if they're buying it in a land trust we wouldn't know who the owner of it was and so i'm assuming that that is in that statute stating then who i hope that no land trusts or foreign entities can buy property around the air force bases I mean, I guess Uncle that. Sam has subpoena power <laughs> yeah. you know, to find out who, who the beneficiary of the mm -hmm. land trust is because Uncle Sam controls, you know, over anything. So you have that preemption over state state law, right? <laughs> yes. So I don't, I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, back to land trusts. The trustee cannot sell the property without the beneficiary's direction. Direction. So that provides the protection. So the trustee just can't do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They're, they they do, they have to be directed by the, the beneficiary. And there's um, something <clears throat> about trust that I think is beneficial in the property conveyance is that if you are, if you have property in your personal name and you're going to put it in your trust, mm -hmm. um, then you don't have to pay doc stamps on that conveyance, Correct. even if there's a mortgage on the property. So that's Correct. good, it's just like, um, the exemption that you get between spouses. So save several thousand dollars sometimes. Mm -hmm. Does it have to be identical? So if John and Jane are on the deed and they create a trust where it's John, Jane, and Jerry as beneficiaries, I th so is that okay or does it have to be identical across the fence? I think it has. So usually it's when it's set up for your own benefit. Yeah. So the grantor has, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the beneficiaries in the trust have to be identical to the individuals on the deed. You can't Correct. have any extra parties in there. Yes. Yeah. But at but then when it goes on to the kids, there's no right taxing or anything like that. Okay. So is there any reason then, because I can see this question coming up, <clears throat> is there a reason you would have the property in a regular revocable trust that converts to irrevocable upon death or a land trust? versus a land trust, I should say. Um, I think it's easier, more, there's more continuity with a revocable trust in terms of passing it down the line. Um, land trusts typically revert to the person's estate who's a beneficiary, um, as opposed to going to the next person in line. Yeah, okay. So for estate planning purposes, the benefit mm -hmm. is to have it in a regular trust mm -hmm. so that it gets passed without needing probate. Correct. And then um, I did just want to ask about homestead property that is in a trust. There are special rules if the property that like we are trying to close on that the trust is selling, it was the homestead of the trust, um, then there's 
that always asks us, was this your homestead or the homestead of your minor children? And I'm like, I don't know why I'm asking, but I'm asking you guys. Okay. Um, so one thing is, so a lot of times people will do um, separate trusts. So if you're a husband and wife and you decide we're going to put it in husband's trust, both parties always have to sign off on it. So you cannot convey homestead property to anything, to anyone or anything um, without signing off on by both spouses. Um, so, so that's one part. And then I guess suppose also you, even when it's in a trust, you still maintain your individual homestead rights. So for instance, anytime I do put a homestead in a trust, I still have a power of attorney backed up for the spouse with that property listed because that's still their personal right in the homestead. It's not the trustee's right to sell. So even if just husband's a trustee, he can't sell that property without wife joining. Um, and then there's always the minor children issue. Because you can't alienate, you can't sell your house out from your spouse and your children and alienate them. <laughs> I think Correct. I think that's the term they use mm -hmm. in the yeah. statute is alienate. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but it's funny. So yeah, you can't do that. But if you own it as as um, joint tenants or tenants by the entirety, even with a second spouse that's not the mother of your minor children, it can go to her without going to them. Mm. As long as it doesn't go through the, you can't devise or... <laughs> the property to anyone other than your spouse or minor children without their consent so this of course the spouse can always waive the homestead rights and things like that but you want to make sure you have the proper documentation to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve which actually happens a lot here because of second marriages and things like yeah, that well and right. so we are not you're not waiving your homestead rights to the house so even if it's in your trust mm -hmm. and it's your homestead whenever you go to sell it your wife's gonna have to sign with you Correct. Just like she does any other deed, all you guys train not to have your wife sign. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that hits all the high points. As with all of our, all of our episodes, there's always a much deeper element to it. Uh, but we want to give you the good stuff. And if you have any more questions, that's when you reach out to us and we can give you the additional details or put you in touch with our expert, Jane. Mm -hmm. You need uh, to set up a consultation and set up your trust. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Call her at the firm. If you don't have a will and or trust, you need to talk to Jane. Uh, so uh, if you get anything out of these uh, last two episodes, please get that. All right. Well, Jane, thank you again for joining yeah. us. We appreciate thank you. it. Thank you for having me. We, uh, we hope you guys like the podcast. If so please subscribe or like or whatever it is, depending on which channel you're watching or listening to. And uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, see you later. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. -bye.